On today's Locked On Texan podcast, quick news for the Houston Texans and B. Scott joins the show discussing OTAs and the Houston Texan practice. But of course, Cody, let's start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Some Sports Guy Hickman, joined by none other than Cody Davis. And this Friday, I'm getting promoted to fiancé for <laughs> husband. Okay, I'm super excited. Hey, guys, if y'all want to look out and buy anything at a registry or whatever, feel free to do that. <laughs> Feel free. But today, you guys ain't coming here to talk about love. Y'all came to talk about the Houston Texans, at least to hear about the Houston Texans. And speaking of promotions, I did, I'm getting promoted to fiancé, uh, to husband. The Texans have promoted Ronnie McGill to director of player personnel. This is according to Ann Wilson of Pro Football Network. McGill followed general manager Nick Casario from the Patriots, taking the job in Houston when he was previously a pro scout for the New England Patriots. Uh, this move follows the departure of Matt Rezergan, who recently left Houston for the Buffalo Bills as a senior personnel executive earlier this offseason. So shout out to Ronnie McGill putting in that work. Now he's getting that promotion. And the offseason has been filled with a a lot a tornado of ups and downs for the houston texans and uh by the way we talked about what is the houston texans best move it's undoubtedly moving on and trading deshaun watson <laughs> right and this is for my boy uh Darrell. coach is over at westlake middle school he's a great guy man great guy I want y'all to know that no matter what happens with Deshaun Watson, them picks that we got back <laughs> here in Houston, they ain't going nowhere, Cody. Yeah. They ain't yeah, yeah. I, I saw a report. They were saying something about the Cleveland Browns are still all, all in on Deshaun and that they have yeah. no interest in voiding the trade. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. how is that going to work? Like, Yeah, don't matter hmm. how it's going to work for them. We just know here in Houston – there's no worry that those next two first-round <laughs> picks and the other picks that came with that trade, they not, they're not going to be rescinded. They're staying in Houston until further notice. Another big news of the offseason was the absence of Laramie Tunsil from OTAs. And Laramie Tunsil, who, by the way, donated a state-of-the-art digital scoreboard to his high school in Florida, Lake City, Columbia, it has been confirmed that he will be at the mandatory mini camp this week. And uh, can, do you want to clap for that, Cody? Or no, was that oh, ever I'm a pride. <gasps> He's going to be here. here. Oh He's my god! Up. Wow! <laughs> Shout out to my boy John Crumpler, who, by the way, you know, writes for the Texas Wire. He's another great guy. Uh, he wrote an article, but we talked about it on Twitter in the DMs. It's kind of like, why are we overblowing this? And I thought to myself, maybe it's because Brandon Cooks, who is a seven, eight-year vet in the league, showed up to many, uh, not many camps, voluntary OTAs, was around, showed that presence, showed that leadership. And, guys, I just want to say this. 
Larry Tunsil is still a great player. Larry Tunsil, I think, is still a top 10 tackle in the NFL. Some players are great players and great leaders. Then you have some players are great players, and then they go home. <laughs> Larry Tunsil is a player that's a great player. The expectations of everything that came with the initial trade and that contract that was given out to him a couple of years ago, you guys got to stop making it up in your head. We know when he gets on the football field that an offensive line will be better. That's his job. He's going to do that and go home. But, Cody, he will be at minicamp this week, mandatory minicamps. What are your feelings <laughs> about that? Um, I have no feelings because, first and foremost, this is something that we already knew, and this is something that – we already talked about here on this show because first and foremost, I think the biggest difference in terms of the first three weeks of the off-season workouts versus the workouts that's about to start starting today, as a matter of fact, is one word. One was voluntary and the other one is mandatory. And the one that is starting today at NRG Stadium that I will be a part of it's mandatory and i think a lot of people still are a little bit hesitant to believe that this is a man who actually came to peace with the organization because remember towards the end of last season there was a big it was a big deal it was a big question on whether or not laramie tunsil was going to be a part of this organization moving forward well you know prior to the draft we started hearing trade rumors we started hearing that this team was interested in getting their hands on laramie tunsil we we even here on this show was breaking down what's the possibility that the texans can have three first round draft picks if they can get move on from laramie tunsil but nick casario in the interview he did a couple weeks ago on sports radio 16 he came out and said that he sat down with Larry Tunsil along with Lovey Smith that worked out their differences and he actually has a great relationship with this organization moving forward and the biggest example I can give to that is it's not like the Texans were cut off guard that Larry Tunsil was not at voluntary workouts no he actually called them ahead of time and told them this is the deal this is what I'm going to do and this is what I already have scheduled with my family and what did the Houston Texans say i.e. Lovey Smith and Nick Cassini the two most important people inside NRG Stadium, they cool. said okay. Right. So, look, I, I think more so it was just a, a major talking point. I think a lot of us got to get out the we, – we just got to get out the mindset that, one, the Houston Texans are no longer a, a laughing stock, and, two, for the first time, it's okay to speak positive about this organization. Yeah, and I also would like to add that – People who are in the working world. Cody, I'll ask you this question. You guys can respond on on Twitter or in the YouTube comments. Make sure you are subscribing to the Locked on Texas podcast on YouTube. If it's your work day and let's say you went out the night before, party a little too hard and forgot to set your alarm and you oversleep and your job calls you and it's your day to work, you're going to, oh, jump up. I'm I'm sorry, whatever, make an excuse, overslip, a dog, ate my phone, whatever. You're gonna put your clothes on, brush your teeth, take a shower, whatever the case is, and you're gonna get to work. But if it's your off day <laughs> and you're chilling and your job calls you and say, Hey, we need for you to come in, we're a little short, how many of y'all are really gonna volunteer to go to work? 
especially if you had already told them, you know what, I need a mental health week. <laughs> you know what, I'm going out of town. You know what, I got other things I want to do. You know what, I just don't feel like being there right now. I already got paid. Yeah. So on a lower scale, let's put ourselves in those shoes. But Larry Tulsa returning to the Houston Texans offensive line, that will bring some much-needed cohesiveness which is great for running backs like Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce. And speaking of Damian Pierce, shout out to D. Pierce. Hey, man, the Houston Texans overpaid him a little bit. They looked out, gave him a little extra, little lunch money, extra 25K, which actually made it harder for other fourth rounders to get their contracts because of that. Houston paid him an extra $25,000, which I think is a great gesture. He is moving from Florida all the way to Houston, which Stingley's coming from Louisiana. Everybody's coming from somewhere. So, but um, that's great for Houston and Damian Pierce. Of the first 15 players drafted in the first round, in the fourth round, excuse me, Pierce was the only one to open up and get that first, that rookie contract signed. So, uh, again, kudos to Houston, doing right by their players. D. Pierce at an extra 25K. Um, if you come across this show, you can help out with this wedding. <laughs> That's what you can do. But we got a lot to talk about today. Brandon K. Scott, OTAs. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to be back. You know, at BlueNow.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you are ready to pop the question, like I was a couple years ago, and my wedding is this Friday, but whether you are ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her, like I did, with the most modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. What do I like about BlueNile.com, Cody? Well, I love the fact that no matter what I'm looking for, Blue Now has jewelry experts available on hand 24-7. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Texans listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. Use promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in a discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNow.com. The ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th. With over 50 NBA insiders, nothing equals ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board draft experts plus Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Brandon K. Scott of 610 Sports Radio, the B-Block Podcast, the cousin that we all want and need in our lives. <laughs> he is back joining the Locked On Texan Podcast to talk about OTAs and we want to dive into the rookies. I think Cody, stop me if I'm wrong. Brandon, you can stop me as well. The biggest stories for the Houston Texans, of course, aside from moving on from Deshaun Watson, has been this 2022 draft class and the expectations that has been set before them. And so, of course, we know that John Mechie hasn't really been out there. Derek Stingley Jr. hasn't really been out there. But we still have Christian Harris, who's running with some of the ones. Thomas Booker, who's been getting a lot of love. And by the way, I've never seen a man's leg that big, Paul. And <laughs> Damian Pierce, who we talked about earlier, has gotten an, an extra 25K from the Houston Texans. Austin Deckless, when you look at this 2022 draft class, 
has there been a player that has tremendously stood out from the rest of everybody else as a rookie at least yeah i think a couple of them i would say out of the rookies that jalen petrie has probably stood out the most i i, I would t- i would twist it a little bit back on you and say that what stands out to me most is that the two guys i expect to contribute the most to the team eventually are the ones that haven't really been participating a lot mm-hmm. and that is Derek stingley on the one side and john mechie on the other so I feel like there's still sort of this excitement and anticipation on the fact that, look, you knew going in that these guys had injuries. You know, I didn't think it was really necessary even going in to freak out about Stingley even, um, you know, as long as he's at least able to go and train in camp and, and ultimately, you know, able to go and be healthy during the season. Um, and, and, and there's a much longer play than that, right, than even just this season. So you want to play it right and play it smart. But to me, the, the big thing that stands out is that the two guys that are probably – you know, if you had to say going to be the best defensive player out of all the guys that were picked, you know, there's a case for Jalen Petrie, and he's certainly the one that, like I mentioned, that's that, that stood out out of the guys that have participated. But if you're going to make an argument for who's got the highest upside, it's Stingley, obviously, for a reason. You know, he was picked number three overall for a reason. And I think Mechie, I think we've talked about this before, guys, like the potential that he has uh, as a guy, you know, with the ball in his hands after the catch, yards after the catch, um, just being a, a sort of a tougher player, a more reliable option, I think, out of the slot, something that they haven't had, I feel like, in years, really. It's, it's, as far as like a reliable guy, right? So whenever he gets right, whenever he's able to go, you know, what stands out to me is that your best guys on both sides of the ball are the ones that you're being really careful with and that haven't really seen the field. But other ones that we have seen, like you mentioned, Thomas Booker. I never feel like I was on with you guys before and mentioned Thomas Booker that the first time that I laid eyes on him, it it, it, it struck me like how not just how, how big he was, but how he was built. You know, like I had seen him before in uh, in a Zoom, you know, the, the, the day that they drafted him. And just I guess I just had a different vision for what I was going to see. And even looking at his at his film, you know, in college, like to me, it just it almost felt like a, di- a totally different body type than what I was expecting or anticipating when I uh, when I saw him. And I think he can be a really interesting player. Like, you know, it is hard to read, especially guys up front, right? Because they're not doing that kind of thing, right? You can you can look at some of these skill guys and see how explosive they look, and 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 the quarterbacks obviously, and think about that. But with the guys up front, you know, you're just kind of looking at their bodies, trying to see what kind of shape they're in. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty once, you know, uh, mandatory camp starts and, uh, you know, which is this week, obviously, and then ultimately in training camp. I would like to say, Cody, before I pass it off to you, I think Thomas Booker is built like an MCU character with CGI in real life. Though. <laughs> you didn't need any extra uh, digital additions. That dude is built for yeah. tough. Oh, he could be in a, he could be an Avenger. Like he could be <laughs> an Avenger. He could be uh from he, Sam he, and uh Winter Soldier. Remember the original Avenger before? Oh Captain yeah. yeah right, right. Yeah, he would I like he would obviously need some type of superpower, you know. He'd have to be able to fly or um or or be able to do something one of them infinity stones or something, you know, but <laughs> um but as far as like from a build, like he's he's hulkish. He's he you know Thor-ish, you know, he's 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 big and built like that. Brandon, I'm glad that you 
started evaluating the 2022 draft class by looking at Derek Stingley, a guy that we have yet to really see get on the field and showcase what he was able to do. You've been out there along with myself doing rookie training camp, doing voluntary OTAs, and outside of stretching and running a few drills and walkthroughs, we still haven't seen Derek Stingley go out there and play, especially when the team start going 11 on 11. I want to get your opinion on this because this is something that John and myself kind of played around with last week, but do you have some type of concern or getting the sense that Stingley might not be ready to take the ham as this team's number one cornerback, just given the fact that he is still recovering from that foot injury that limited him to three games last year at LSU? Yeah, I, I think it's possible. I, I wouldn't call it a concern, though. Like, f- for me, you know, I, I think it's it's probably – if there's anything concerning about it, it might be that maybe you were expecting, like, based on what the narrative was, uh, you know, going back to March when, you know, during Lions season, right, during, during draft season, there, there seemed to be kind of this feeling – I forget the exact quotes and words that they used, but there seemed to be this feeling that he would be – maybe ready to go before that. But I'll say this, though. When they signed Fabian Moreau, I'm just curious on what y'all think about this. Like, when they signed Fabian Moreau, like, I thought that, like, two sides on that. Like, yeah, he's in there competing with, like, they didn't give him, give him a lot of money or anything. Like, they like they did give a, a, a nice little piece of money to, to Steven Nelson. But ultimately, those are the guys he's competing with, Steven Nelson and the guys that, that were already there. But as a guy who started before in the league, is he also possibly insurance for that very idea? You know, a low cost guy with some starter experience who, you know, worst come to worst of Stingley, not just, maybe it's not just the health, but like the, the overall readiness isn't there. Like to, to just like really just do the grind of a, of a season, you know, or if they got to kind of ease him in there and maybe he's the reserve to start, you know, you know, like we got this vision of him being number three overall pick. He's got to start immediately, which ideally, yeah, he does. But because of the injury, you know, what if Moreau is, is also like, or, or any, any number of these guys, I just use him as an example because that's somebody that they signed seemingly sort of late in the game. And, you know, it makes, makes you think like, okay, starter experience, not a lot of money, you know, cost benefit analysis right there didn't cost a lot is that you know some some insurance for if Stingley's not ready to go early on so I I think it's definitely a possibility you know I'm not going to minimize it as like if you wanted to be concerned like if you are concerned anyone else is concerned I'm not going to minimize it I'll say I'm not concerned necessarily unless you know you you get some more information about you know there's there's more damage to the foot than we realize or he's got to have an extra procedure or you know, if this thing starts to linger, the, the more I say this, the more it lingers, the more concerning it becomes, obviously. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. Find all of the sports developments, news, and league reviews, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL mm-hmm. Hockey Conference Finals, Major mm-hmm. League Baseball, and, of course, all of the latest fighting news from MMA, UFC, down to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source. For all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the latest action and trends at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. 
Welcome back in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for checking out today's show. Of course, we are joined by Brandon Scott from the B Block Podcast and Sports Radio 610. We just talked about the rookies, the 2022 draft class. The 2021 draft class will play a very important role for this Houston Texan team. And we talked about Thomas Booker, who has fans have really kind of just fell in love with his physique. Right, we just talked about it, kind of built him up a little bit. However, have we forgotten about Roy Lopez already? Second year man out of Arizona, played well for Houston last year. I thought for the majority of the year he was the best rookie for Houston because of how consistent he was. How important is Roy Lopez for year two, and how has he looked in OTAs? Yeah, I think the thing that's stood out about Roy since we late since we first saw him come coming back was that he has slimmed down you know and it's not to say that he wasn't in good shape last year but he just looks like he's in better shape now you know and and that could just come from you know a year being a pro and you know kind of a year being able to self-evaluate yourself as a pro you know after a year um, but yeah, no, he's he stood out more. So again, like I said, the guys up front is hard to really say what you know what's what before they really start getting there and, and really kind of hidden. But I, I think just physically he looks a lot different. And I don't I wouldn't say anybody's forgotten about him because I mean he was the like you say I, I don't know about the necessarily the best rookie, but most consistent rookie would probably be a better way like how you how you described it. And, and and that's just because he played the most, you know, or st- maybe started more than most, um, and so got that experience in there. And and honestly, <laughs> seemed to be the most r- r- kind of ready-made when he got there. You know, like his strength translated uh, immediately. It seemed like um, got some football intelligence about him that that translated. Uh, a lot has been made about his wrestling background. Um, that seems to, to to help him in certain ways on the defensive line. So I would say far from forgotten about him you know there, there's more so really and we don't talk about it a lot but really more so an expectation that he take a step or that he kind of be a, maybe a mainstay in there uh on the interior defensive line right there with malik collins who they paid and you know who and, and then roy lopez who they got on the cheap to be quite honest and then you know if anything you know you look more <laughs> on the side of like Ross Blacklock, right? I know we're talking mm-hmm. about the 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 class. The, 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 that on Twitter too. Right, right, right. And you know we're talking about the the second year guys, but how about the third year guys, right? As well, you know, like this is a this is like an inflection point. You, you're expecting Jonathan Grenard, who uh, who's picked after Ross Blacklock, to be uh, this this significant contributor like he was last year when he was healthy, and then. You know, where does that leave Ross Blacklock between Lopez and Thomas Booker and Malik Collins and everything else that they're doing, on, you know, along those lines? So, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting spot from even from that angle and far from forgetting about Roy Lopez, there's an the expectation that he's going to play well for you. You talked about Roy Lopez. How has the rest of this sophomore class looked to you, right. mainly outside of Davis Mills, especially when you take a look at it and has evaluate the talents of Bourbon Jordan and Nico Collins. Yeah, no, nah, I mean Cody, like I would even include Davis Mills in the group, man. I like I'm not <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even hating on Davis Mills and I'm 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 cool with the situation. He's more than I he's more than I that's not what I said. I said, uh. I said I'm not hating. 
and I, and I, okay, I'm I. How about this? I'm I with it. Okay. He's <laughs> I. He's I, and I'm I with it. Okay, and and I'm also willing to be like wrong about this. I'm not like married to an opinion. And like sitting up here telling you that I know more than anybody than the next man, you know, like, or that I'm can't be wrong. Like, he, the dude could be the goat. Do you, could you call him Cody, the baby goat? Hey, you know it. That's my nickname, uh, baby uh, goat. That is what uh, Cody, said. baby goat. Okay, okay. baby goat. In decisions of. <laughs> Hey, put maybe, it like this. He ain't got much he to is. do. He ain't got much to do to become the Golden Texans history. Yeah. Ooh, that's just the hey, that's his own episode, ain't it? <laughs> that's a hey, that's 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 his own think piece, Cody. But but yeah, but to your point though, mm-hmm. uh, and the second year guys, like I would I would include Davis Mills in that group. You know, all of them are third rounders and under, right? So like house money, the whole class is house money to me. And and to that point, like Davis Mills is your starting quarterback. Start to go like I think it's important to start there. Honestly, like you're the a dude that you picked in the third round is possibly far more talented than that, and could be you know even if forget whether I think he could be great, could legitimately be your starting quarterback for you know the, the next couple of years, and then past that, you know you got Nico Collins who you gave up some picks to get, who looks good in camp by the way. Looks really good in camp, I think, uh, physically. And I think just straight up, as far as options that they got, this is a hell of an opportunity for him. Like, mm-hmm. forget how he looks in camp. That's a dude that they drafted last year, and he physically is different from most of the guys that's out there. He's going to have an opportunity to play quite just just period. It's hard stop. So let's go Nico Collins and make the most of this opportunity for you being on a team that don't have a lot of weapons offensively. Like, he can be a guy, right? And then getting to Brevin Jordan. I don't know if one of you guys just mentioned him a minute ago. By the way, John Harris wrote about uh, the importance of the tight end group this year. Yes. Of course, Brevin Jordan was mentioned. He talked about how Houston has, you know, struggled to find a solid tight end since C.J. Fedor's had to retire. And before you hop into him, I am of the belief, this is my own comparison, not saying that this will be him at his height of what mm-hmm. he can be, but I think that Brevin Jordan can be Jimmy Graham-esque in Ooh. terms of his speed, his length, the way he's able to jump. So I just wanted to mention that I do think this is a big year. Well, Brevin Jordan can have a big year this upcoming year. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham at his height, though, I mean, and at his best – was. No, I, well, I'm not saying he he can replicate that at his best, but I do see some similarities in I'm with how you. he plays. Well, and 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 also how he'll be used, and what the expectation to him will be as well, right? Like Jimmy Graham, for as amazing as he was, nobody ever thought of him as like a blocking tight end, right? Like not at all, at, all at, 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 right? And, and you would think maybe he could do that as far as much of a physical freak as he was, right? You like think maybe this dude could do anything, right? But he wasn't that. And Brevin, the only thing, that, the only part, really only main part I would knock on that on that comparison would just be the size. Like, he's just not quite as as big as that or as tall as that. But I, I do think it's an interesting point on just as far as how he'll be used, what the expectation will be of him. And to, back to the, to, to the point of 
the tight ends and John Harris's piece on the tight ends and all of that. Like, I think that that's a huge question mark for the team going into the year, man. Right. Like, I think that's an enormous question mark. And not to say that there's like this enormous cloud or question about Brevin Jordan just being a, a second year player. And, and I think a guy who's got a little bit of expectation on him and, and maybe some hope around him, but just overall a position group, I think vastly underperformed last year. Right. Um, don't talk about it a lot, but I think they underperformed and I don't think feel like they did a whole lot to address it, to, to, to make the position better. So like you, you are expecting better play from guys that were basically here last year. I mean, other than the the draft and the Tegan Cotoriano and you know, you signed uh Seth Green from uh from U of H as an undrafted free agent. Um they they waived uh Daryl Daryl Daniels or right um, w- 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 uh, just last week and I, I can't I'm trying to remember if they signed another tight end in, in, to replace him but either either way like it's just a hodgepodge of dudes that either you know were here last year and were either young in Brevin Jordan's case or underperform in Farrell Brown's case or as a guy you know what you're gonna get out of an Anthony Alclair who it is really almost solely a, a block and tight end with the exception of one game that he had last year. Um, hmm. But I mean, you, you know, you kind of, you kind of know what's up, but you know, want more out of that position. And so, you know, you're really looking at Brevin Jordan as like to be that guy, you know, at, at least from, from a pass catching standpoint and hopefully Farrell Brown, who was uh, again, uh, you talk about guys who get off the bus and, and just, you know, looked apart like Thomas Booker, we were talking about earlier, you know, Farrell Brown is along those lines as we know. So if he can just if he can just be big, be hum, a humongous human, and 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 behave like it, like play like it, you know, you you know you're getting a lot out of that too, you know. And 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 that's something that he struggled with, I think, with health last year, like just staying healthy and being able to be consistent. So, um, so for me, enormous question mark on a tight end position because I don't see a lot there based off of what we've seen already, uh, but. You know, but but you're but you're hopeful, and I do like Brevin Jordan. Um, and we mentioned Roy Lopez again, being a guy um, who, who who's already been a big contributor. But Garrett Wallow, dog, like man, you hear Nick Casario talk about Garrett Wallow. He Nick Casario doesn't really praise players like effusively <laughs> too often, <laughs> but he spoke highly last week of. Garrett Wallow and and him being one of the guys that came that 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 just looks the most different as a player in in terms of improvement from the time they got there in the spring to like now going into mandatory camp, you know, a guy that's learned all of the linebacker positions and how and, and looking at physically, you could see how maybe he could be capable if he, you know, got himself, you know, got himself right, like you know, having some experience in the league and everything. Um, after a year, getting a little bit stronger, but but athletically being able to at least adequately play all of the linebacker positions, specifically in in you know in this system. So you know that's a whole nother you know interesting angle, man. Think about that, John Cody, the linebackers, right? Garrett Wallow coming back, Nick Casario talking about him being improved. There's house money right there, a later round pick. And you just added Christian Harris. Wallow can draft. cover his ass off. That's there we go. There we, he was. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he was a safety. I think I'm saying he played safety at one point, as did Christian Harris. Hmm. So notice what they're notice what they're doing with the linebackers, fellas. Right, right, exactly, right. But like DB, DB mentality or DB background and skill set, 
Notice what they're doing with the linebackers. You know, you know how they talk about the evolution of Levy Smith's defense, how, you know, he can't play as much cover two. They got to play more man and, you know, and the, and the, but the, but the corners got to be able to play. You know, you got to go get cover two corners and, you know, like that whole conversation. Well, you know what I feel is lost about it, especially after you look at how the Texans went about this, these last couple of drafts under Lovey Smith type defenses is they went and drafted some linebackers with some DB backgrounds and really are speaking to without saying to you out loud, they're really telling you what the evolution of the Lovey Smith defense really is. And that's that the linebacker just looks different. You know, the, the line, like the linebacker doesn't look like, Derek Brooks or, or Brian Erlacher, like they just they don't look like that. They don't, you know, it, that's the evolution of the Lovey Smith defense, I feel like. And it's more or less so about Lovey and his defense and more so about the game and what you're asking guys to do, um, you know, both as like sort of in a traditional sense as a linebacker, but also in the middle of the field and coverage and all of the various different responsibilities that the linebackers have that we don't even really know about, right? The the things that we don't see necessarily without being in the room. So, uh, but they but to me they tell you a lot in the type of guys that they went to go get. And so with that, Gary Wallow being a second year guy and Christian Harris being a rookie, like we talked about earlier, being two guys I'm semi excited about and intrigued mm-hmm. to watch uh, play this year. Brandon, last question before getting out of here. And there's a lot more I want to discuss, but I'm going to save it for next week when we have an opportunity to see the entire roster because it's mandatory now. I don't know if you heard, but Laramie Tunsil is coming back. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah, Yeah, he punched the clock. Yeah, Exactly. Laramie is back. (laughs) But, um... Brandon, last question before getting out of here. Just really quick, what has been your thoughts about the improvements that you have been seeing in the Texans' run game, especially with the addition of Marlon Mack? Yeah, so the the Marlon Mack thing is really interesting, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like because you just, you just have no idea, like the the range of potential here, guys. <laughs> I think it's I think I think it's yeah. very interesting if, if if he's able to play fourteen games. Yeah, well, yeah, man, if he's able to play 14 games, the expectation is that, you know, he's healthy and – and then the the question there is, is he the same player, right? And we just didn't get to really see him a lot. Right, right now, right now. Yeah, right now, without pads, I want to admit, without pads. But it is like the point I was making before about the the guys up front, you know, in the trenches, you can't really make a lot of what you see there other than just the fact that they out there and see what kind of shape you think they in. But you can see when a dude running fast, you're like, hey, especially when you stand right there, like that's not hard to understand. So you're like, okay, um, he's he running fast, you know what I mean? But you hadn't seen him a lot in like actual football in a while. So what I was saying is that the range, man, the range of possibilities, we talking about boom or bust potential, and, and of course somewhere in between, and, and you probably would take somewhere in between and, and would hope it would, you know, be toward the, the ledger of, good and not like what you saw last year of the type of retread running backs you brought in here right mm-hmm. so man I, I, he's looked good in camp right yeah you've seen him cody like he he looks the part right now but the the real question will be you know how durable is he still and is he is he actually still that that same player that he was a couple of years ago um 
you can you can make a, a reasonable excuse or or rationale for why he might be playing behind the guys that he was playing behind in Indianapolis, but I don't know if that would necessarily be the case here. Like he should be able to beat out a Rex Burkett if he's healthy. And quite honestly, I know a lot of us. I, I'll speak for myself. I know I want to see a lot of Damian Pierce this year. I want to see a lot mm-hmm. of Damian Pierce. Period. But logically speaking, you would think if he's healthy and if he's the player he was, he should be able to be out that Damian Pierce as well. You know, uh, for, I'm talking about the Marlon Mack that we saw, you know, a couple of years ago before the injury. So, um, so I, I mean, I think it's interesting. It's obviously got to be a lot better, man, because, whoo, whoo, <laughs> man, when I tell you I ain't never seen a running game, like beyond like high school ball, like credible football, a running game that bad, I've never seen it in my life. In my life, the last couple of years that we've seen, it's, so, it's, like, I'm, it's historically I'm, bad. By the way, I almost feel like it can be worse. You know what I mean? Like, man, maybe and, and knock on wood, like, like knock on wood. When I say that, like, I'm not trying to put no hex on nobody, but you feel like it can't be worse, right? Like, it's got to be. We said that two years ago, and it was worse. It was. <laughs> it was worse. It was. Well, so the Marlon Mack point. Uh, to your Marlon Mack point, I, I would like to add that. I think his biggest question mark will just be centered around durability because Marlon Mack was never a shifty or running back where, you know, he needed a lot of cuts to make a play and make more. He was always been more of a downhill. I'm going to get the ball. I'm going to run straight forward. I'm going to fall forward for at least four yards. He's never did a lot of the acrobatical, you know, stat back type of running back stuff. So I think if he's healthy, then I would I would wonder if Houston leans on him more often, especially earlier in the season, than compared to a more duo type of backfield where they're getting a 55-45 split of the carries. Yeah, well, but I mean, first of all, that's an interesting point you make about him being downhill because you are correct. And it just made me think about the fact that all of the guys that they got right now, I mean, I know that Rex Burkhead has some shiftiness to him, but he's at least with, you know, he is, if, if the assignment is, is like, if his power, like, like just, you know, put your head down and go, he'll do that too. Like Rex, Rex Burkhead for what he is, is a, you know, a really solid backup type of running back. You know what I mean? Um, or mix, mix it in, you know, in a kind of committee thing. So like, when you talk about the top two guys being Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce, they are both that. Like they are both exactly yeah, what downhill. what you what you described uh, downhill guys. And honestly, man, like I wouldn't even want like I I think I, the ideal situation. I put it to you this way: ideal situation is that Marlon Mack is healthy and Damian Pierce is you know exactly what we think he is. You know, a solid downhill back. And you do have a committee there mixed in with Rex Burkhead, whereas he's not your Rex Burkhead is not your best running back. That's absurd. But he (laughs) but he is in the mix and you are relying more on a healthy Marlon back who is true to his identity, still downhill type of guy with some bursts, which, again, what we've seen right at camp. And then Damian Pierce, again, kind of just living up to the expectation of, hey, you ain't got to go out there and be. You know, you ain't got to go out there and be Jonathan Taylor or anything like that. Like you go out there and be you, and 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 we got a committee in this thing. You got Marlon Mack got your back, Rex Burkhead got your back. This offensive line, the the dudes on the offensive line actually play the positions that we got them at. You know, so everything is normal. 
You know, that's a, that's an actual left guard. So you can trust that left guard. That's an actual right tackle. You can trust that right tackle. And however the, 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 the scheme and system work out, everybody know they roll, you know, that's what, you know, I say that about the offense too. Like they got guys, especially, you know, I was kind of sarcastic about the offensive line point, but think about it. Like everybody is now like got clear defined roles and, and like everything <laughs> seems a lot simpler and more straightforward. And like, it just makes sense. Like, okay, Pep Hamilton, this is going to be like, you know, they're going to have, this is going to be like a power run scheme. A lot, you're going to see a lot of that. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many chances Davis Mills is able to take downfield, especially considering we don't know a whole lot about the weapons, right? Like we know Brandon Cooks, but beyond that, okay, what is, what is Nico Collins in year two? What are these guys really? But as far as the run game, you're like, okay, the offensive line, I feel like this is going to be simple. And, and sensible, you know, and so the run scheme is going to be simple and and, and, and and sensible and the the running backs can just hit the hole. And then you got running backs that will hopefully have the vision and we know have the attitude of, again, like John said, downhill, I'm going to hit the hole and we're going to at the very least fall forward for three. And hopefully I knock a sun gun down too on, in the process, <laughs> right? Like you don't have, feel like you got guys that, you know, and I say that as a skinny dude, I'm talking about running backs, right? Though, like, you got guys you feel like gonna do that, right? Between Damian Pierce and Marlon Mack, again, if he's healthy, and even even Rex Burkhead to a, you know to a smaller degree. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? And don't forget to tell them about the B Block Podcast. Yeah, man, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter at B Scott from Hiram Clark. Of course, the E at the end from Houston, you know that uh, on Instagram and then the B Block podcast, wherever you get your podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple. And of course, I'm over at Sports Radio 16. I'm be doing some radio too, y'all. So y'all catch the podcast and y'all catch the uh, some of these live shows I'm going to be doing. When's, when's my next one? I think I got I'm in for Ron the show Hugely on Friday. I just did a show with him last Friday. Uh, at one of our remotes out in was it where were we at Tomball or yeah I was in Tomball Tomball so yeah so we were in Tomball last Friday me and Ron I'm gonna be with Clint and I ain't gonna even lie to y'all I'm not a hundred percent sure where we're gonna be at on Friday but we're gonna be (laughs) somewhere and so follow us on social media to find out and if you can't make it out there just listen to us at Sports Radio on Sports Radio 610 from two to six and there'll be some more radio too after that the following week so we are doing it big this summer man mm, one thing about it that work don't stop no sir <laughs> no sir not at all and, and I, I, I rather i rather have the work yeah i was gonna say i'd rather have the work than not for sure hmm. absolutely especially with gas prices looking crazy i'm john Ooh. some sports guy hickman make sure you follow us on twitter at locked on texans follow me on twitter at john underscore Hickman 12, and make sure you are subscribing to the Locked On Texans podcast on YouTube. Comment, share, tell a friend, and tell his grandmother at church to put us on the prayer list so everybody else can know who we are. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Cody, where you at? As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.